<laughs> predestination, election, and the gospel of Jesus. Got it? Predestination and election. Are you ready yeah. for this one? Yes. This is, this is the one, because this is everybody in the world uh, who, who comes to know Jesus. Here's what will happen. We will, uh, you'll, you'll read your Bible and you'll come across these words, and then you'll go chasing through and you'll get some Bible study, and then people will will run into uh, certain interpretations of this doctrine and they'll be two, one of two things. Either they're shocked and horrified or they're shocking and horrifying. <laughs> Let me tell you something about theology that would help you to know. The younger you are, the less dogmatic you ought to be. Don't, don't be like your pastor was. I read the Bible and thought I was a theologian the next day. When people, when people who are, who are um, like just getting started in their Christian faith read a book of the Bible and then suddenly they come and tell you what they believe. Well, this is what I believe. I'm like, just settle in on Jesus and you're gonna be okay. But, but here they go. Don't, don't, get, don't get dogmatic. Don't get dogmatic. It's like... No, my analogies are bad and I don't have time, so I'm not gonna use them. So let's, uh, let's dig into this. Predestination, election, and the gospel of Jesus. Let's look at it from the Calvinist perspective first. So I don't want a caricature, so here's what I did. Went to a Calvinist website, cut and pasted. <laughs> want you to know I can read. Um, Calvinism is often called monergism because it's the belief that, that in your salvation, there's only one will, one energy involved in salvation. So, so here it is. The words predestination and election are often used interchangeably by writers and speakers. This is right off a website. However, this may create confusion. Predestination is the truth that God sovereignly purposes everything and brings to pass everything that he himself has purposed. This includes every event of every person and everything about that person down to the hairs of their head. The many verses that speak of all things being under God's control can only be true if predestination is true. And so my friend uh, R.C. Sproul, who's with the Lord now and knows better, um, <laughs> He says, if there's one random molecule in the universe, then God is not God. Election is the truth of predestination applied to one specific area or one of the all things, namely our personal salvation. The doctrine of election is the truth that God sovereignly chooses or elects certain individuals to be saved. All right. We're not taking a vote tonight. We're not having that kind of election. But I thought in an election year it would be appropriate to take a stab at the doctrine. And since it's in the book of the Bible that we're studying, let's do it. Let me say right up front that those definitions of predestination and election are a school of thought. Parsing them like that is a school of thought. It's a school of thought called Calvinism or monergism. And in my mind, when I read it, the first thing I thought of was, that kind of reminds me of people who separate gender and sex nowadays. Because it serves a purpose. And I don't think these definitions are drawn from the Bible. 
but they are definitions that serve a school of thought. Now, if these are your definitions, don't leave me just yet. Just, just polish your stones while I'm teaching. <laughs> Plenty of time for David's sling. You can, you can get to that in time. All right, let's do it. Election in the scripture, the doctrine of election in the scripture. Election is the means whereby God addresses the human problem. In other words, there, does anybody doubt that there's a problem in the human race or in the world? And by definition, God addresses our problem. Election is God's choice of how to address the problem. So God says, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to choose to do. Election is God's choice to provide personal salvation. But it's not only personal salvation. Involved in God's bringing personal salvation is a remedy for the whole world. Election is God's work alone. It's what God in God's wisdom does. And he does it from eternity past. Election is for the benefit of all. And this is where the big, the big problem will lie. This is where the tug of war will be. Election is for the benefit of all through God's covenant. Covenant is a way of saying God through relationship. All right. Releasing the blessing of election. Ephesians chapter one. I'm right back in the passages that I preached on the last two weeks. Guess what I didn't do? I didn't really take up the doctrine of election. So this time I've actually highlighted them and I've come to it. We're gonna talk about it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ. He's blessed us in Christ. Say that. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So now, just to make a couple of observations. What Paul is doing is he's speaking Jewish family language over a community of Jews and Gentiles. He's using the language with which he would address his covenant family, which before Christ consisted almost exclusively of Jews. And he is taking the language with which he would address his family and he's addressing now the larger, the larger family of the families of the earth. How does this work? Well... I'm glad you asked. Number one, I told you God chose to do something about the problem. So God chose 
Abraham. What did he do with that? What did he do with that? I'm going to demonstrate with Scripture in a minute that God's choice of Abraham was for God's purpose in the world. Now, this is what this means, and I'm going to keep pressing this. What he does for the one is for all. And I'm going to press this with you. Election cannot now be something that it wasn't then. What God did in choosing Abraham was say, I'm going to initiate my project for bringing my salvation to the world. I'm starting with you, Abraham. So God's purpose with Abraham was world. His purpose with Abraham was not to cut the world out. We'll, we'll unpack that and you'll see it. God's election of Abraham was for the world, not for the person. I keep, I'm going to keep emphasizing it. God's election of Abraham created an elect people whereby God might bring salvation to what? The world. I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to stutter until I get there. God's elect, God's elect people brought God's redemption to the whole world via one faithful Israelite who kept God's covenant. This is why, when, you, when I was reading that, chose us in him. Elect in him. This is why I took pains with you last week to talk about what it meant to be in him. And I'm going to take pains with it again tonight. I'm going to go at it again tonight. Here it is. Genesis 12:1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country from your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will what? Remember the, how many times that word bless is in the first, first verses of Ephesians. This word bless, it's right taken from the covenant language. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. Now, verse three in those first two portions is there for one reason and one reason only. God is saying, I'm going to bring my salvation for the world through this man. Don't mess with this man. And now... What's, what's really has had me in a twist for a very long time is people are obsessed with this verse and, and not with its meaning. And in you, who is this in you? In Abram, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now is that exclusion or inclusion? All right, so the doctrine of election is first of all, Inclusive, not exclusive. God's purpose of election is all, not a few. If you get this, you'll be all right. What happens on the doctrine of election is when we micro-personalize it in ways that the Bible does not. That's why it said we and us and 
And of course, some of you are clever and you're gonna come to me with what about verses. And I've, done, I've, taught, on, I've taught all the way through the book of Romans, so I'm ready for your what abouts. <laughs> I, didn't like I, I didn't like I hadn't thought this through and worked this through. This is why I gave the warning. Don't, you know, you know what? It's a bad idea to have, to have grade schoolers teaching sex education, don't you think? Our culture doesn't think so, but it is. In the same way, it's a bad idea to have people who are unstudied being dogmatic about what they believe. Let's be children. Let's be learners. Let's make our hearts open. I've been hammering on this rock for 40 years because this is the one. I'm telling you, I was the object of every Calvinist teacher that existed when I was in college and after college and people tried to recruit me and I had opportunities to go into reform seminary and, and to some very strong Calvinistic worlds. And every time I couldn't go and for years I didn't understand why, I just knew I couldn't. And the reason I can't is because I do not believe that the doctrine of election is about God's election of some and rejection of others. I don't even believe it's about his election of some and passing over others. It's about God's purposes of grace to bring his redemption power to the whole world. Okay? Now, I also think that people who grab this verse and use this verse as a political tool to beat people up over uh, the, the nation of Israel today, it's, it's like you're not thinking, people. Because number one, God rebuked Israel their whole history. God sent prophets to rebuke Israel their whole history, and nobody rebuked Israel more than the Son of God. I want the nation of Israel in our world today to be protected and be recognized and to exist, but I don't want people to treat the book of Revelation, or the book of Revelation, the, the nation of Israel like it's God's rabbit's foot. If Israel acts bad today, they should still be rebuked. They're like any other nation in that regard. The purpose of this passage was because God was doing something with Israel that would find its final purpose in him. And God's protection on this people was for his purposes of election of all. And by the way, I always ask this, I always ask people, what's the, what, who can you curse and get and be blessed by God? It's not just Israel. You can't curse anybody and be blessed by God. Come on, people. All right. So there's a lot of ditches in this thing. And there's a lot of reasons for people to um, have trouble with each other. But I don't want to be there, okay? Abraham blessed to bless all people. God's purpose of election of Abraham was to bring God's blessing to all the nations. And oh, by the way, yes, God did gate crash Abraham. And some of you are like me and feel like God gate crashed you too. Why? Because no one who truly knows Jesus has any sense that they did it themselves. This is where the glory goes to God. Everybody knows that. I've never met anybody that thought they saved themselves. (laughs) 
some of the objections that are out there are just plain dumb. <laughs> I've been looking for people who embody them. Ephesians 1, 7. The purpose of the blessing. I'm trying to go fast. Am I doing all right? Not really. I know how many slides I have. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. This is what election is for. The purpose of God's election is redemption in his blood, forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purposes, which he set forth in Christ. If you don't know the will of God, meditate on Christ. He's the will of God. Melt your will into his and you'll do the will of God. He's the will of God. According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. And this is the, this is the phrase, to unite all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. You know, here's what, you th here's what people think. This was God's purpose so we wouldn't go to hell. But that isn't what the Bible says. God's purpose is heaven and earth. God's purpose is wherever there's been a disjunction to bring a restoration. God's plan of salvation is for humans and it's for his created world. God's plan of redemption is a plan to make all things new. And I, I'm, honestly, I read this phrase and I go, I don't even really understand it, Lord. And that's why I'm glad I'm still a child too. And I'm still saying, ah, uh, you know, because I still think heaven's up there and we're down here. Don't you? I still live in the, you know, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And he says, in Christ, he's going to unite the things in heaven and the things in earth. Hallelujah. To, and we say hallelujah and go, whatever that means. Receiving the benefits of election. And this is where it's, this is really, really important. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. Again, God is using the apostle to write to people who are a mixed multitude. Because this letter was probably not just for Ephesus, but for many cities. And he was speaking covenant language over people who were formerly not in the covenant. We'll get there to so the language will be explicit before we get too far in these verses. Having been predestined to obtain an inheritance, having been predestined. Inheritance was for God's people. It was a covenant promise for God's people. Because we were predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And this is where, yes, the Calvinists are right. He's a big God and nothing escapes his power. Nothing escapes his providence and nothing escapes his ability. Nothing is beyond him. And then he says, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ. And I love this because in other places, Paul speaks of the fact that he himself wasn't among the very first because he was the last apostle. As he said, me like the last to have seen Jesus he puts himself in that place. But here he says, we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. 
That's his purpose of election for you. That's his purpose of election for me. Live a life to the praise of his glory. I'm headed over to Mississippi and I'll be just a smidge far from Birmingham. And I'm so tempted to just make a little quick trip to Birmingham. Because there's a guy there who lived a life to the praise of his glory. And I saw him in 1972 and said, there has to be a God behind that life. So that we might be to the praise of his glory. The guys are going, where's my, where's my New Orleans crowd? Who's going to New Orleans? They're going to New Orleans because we want the people of New Orleans to know that they can hope in Christ. We want want God to meet people in the midst of a place where they're not looking for him. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him. How many of you know believe is not something you do? It's really not. It's something that your eyes are opened to. It's something that your ears hear. Nobody takes credit for that, for faith in Christ. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. In him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, then you were sealed with the spirit of promise, the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance. There's that covenant language again, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Okay, now, all that's, all that's covenant language, and that's our first 14 verses, and I'm still not through. Faith connects us to the blessings of election. But listen, Faith is still not something you do. Someone says, look yonder and you look and you see. For the first time, you see. Maybe like I did the first time I saw the sun go into an eclipse. Look yonder and I saw. Well, That looking yonder is not something you do that accomplishes something for you. It's something you receive. You look and you receive. So again, I'm going to go ahead and say with the Calvinist that faith is a gift we receive. Not a work we accomplish. But nevertheless, faith is the connection that causes the life to flow. And it's right here. He's, he's telling them about election. And he says, and, and he actually, by the way, says, him also, when you heard the gospel of your salvation, he did say, you believed in him and you believed in him. What's, what, what do I want to happen tonight? Somebody to do that believe in him thing. Um, and by the way, uh, all the time, 
people who already believe are like receiving more of what they've already received. So there's that. Let's look at it though. Faith connects us to the blessing, the blessings of election. All right. Faith comes by hearing, but let's go to Galatians because I find Galatians 3, there's probably, there's probably no chapter of the Bible that helps me understand the covenant, the blessings, the work of Abraham, and, uh, and, our, and our redemption more than Galatians 3. And I'm only going to touch a few passages of it. Know then, he says, that it's those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. In other words... What happened to Abraham when God spoke to him is exactly the same thing that happens to you and to me when hearing stirs up something inside us that says yes and amen. Now, now get this. Ah. Because I'm about to say something that I've said before that stirs people up. Abraham believed God. I don't, I don't actually know the, I don't even know the way I've uh, put this out. So I have to look and see. <laughs> Abraham's faith is counted as righteousness for Abraham, which brings him into a relationship with God. Okay. Genesis chapter 12. God speaks to Abraham. Genesis chapter 15, God speaks to him again after a whole lot of things happened, by the way, including his encounter with Melchizedek, which happened in 14. And it's in that chapter in 15 when it says he believed and it, and it was reckoned to him for righteousness. Now, uh, righteousness is a word which I've been troubled by a long time because righteousness sounds like something to accomplish. And everybody takes righteousness as something to accomplish. And the Bible treats it as a relationship. Here's how this works. Been married to this woman a long time. I can walk in the room and tell you if righteousness is present. What do you mean? Oh, I can know just by breathing the air whether she and I are right with one another because I'm just telling you there's something that happens if I've done something to violate her heart her conscience her mind her spirit I walk in the room and I'm like there's there's a problem in here and usually it's like yeah you're the problem because righteousness is the rightness of being in relationship it's a relational word it's not uh, an accomplishment word. I like it when I, because once in a while I'll say, uh, by the way, 100% guys, 
the first time you ask what's wrong, the answer is nothing. Because if you settle for that, there's a lot more wrong than there was a minute ago. I'm just telling you. Can, can we talk? I'm just telling you. <laughs> Abraham's faith in God counted his righteousness for Abraham, bringing him into a relationship with God. Listen, Abraham's life wasn't sorted out, but his relationship was established. Because if you follow Abraham after this, he makes a whole lot of other messes. Righteousness is a relationship, not merely a status or an accomplishment. Abraham was right with God by faith. Abraham's faith becomes a key factor in the covenant blessing for all. In other words, I'll say it the way, so you can be sure and understand it. The way we get right with God is the same way he got right with God. Now listen, well, maybe it's here. Those with Abraham's faith, not merely those with his blood, are counted as righteous with Abraham. Now, this is important. Because everybody said, well, they're the chosen people. Yes. But you can be a member of the chosen people and not be in the relationship. Because there are plenty of people who were of Abraham's physical offspring who weren't walking in Abraham's faith. And nowhere in the Bible are those folks counted as righteous. What brings righteousness is hearing and faith. And this is, why, this is why a Moabite woman can get in the family. This is why Canaanite women can get in the lineage of Jesus. This is why outsiders, even in the Old Covenant, could come in by the hearing of faith. So always, so there's, listen, there's a way in which People with Abraham's blood had, a, had covenant blessings. They had access to the truth. But it wasn't until they mixed it with faith. And you can read this in Hebrews. You can read this in Romans. You can read this in Galatians. You can read this in Ephesians. Over and over, faith is what causes the relationship to be intact. And over and over, I talked to people about their salvation story. I was born in a Christian family. I was born in a Catholic family. You were born in the right house. You had access, but you didn't have ears to hear. And then one day, something happened and penetrated the wall of your closed heart. And from that moment to this, The voice has you. Let's keep going. From Abraham's faith came an elect people for God's election purposes. And this is was the function, this is the function of Israel. In Galatians 3 again, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is anyone who is hanged on a tree. So that say it. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, there's that word blessing again, comes to the Gentiles. And in Ephesians 1, 
He's speaking to a mixed multitude of Jews and Greeks who have received by faith. In Christ. So listen, your election was done by God in Christ. Now, if you insist on um, doing something like this that the Bible doesn't do, saying your election but not somebody else's, you misunderstood. Salvation was always God's will and it's always his will for all people in Christ. Before it was in Christ, it was in Abraham, who, by the way, we're going to get there, so that in Christ, in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham comes to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. What did you read in Ephesians? So that by faith, then the seal of the spirit is on us. The spirit, it's not Abraham's blood in your veins. It's God's spirit in your body, in your life, in your temple that makes you a child of God. And that's the whole gospel. That's it. That's the whole thing, man. It's right there. Israel was in Abraham. In case you missed this, we're going to go back and seal this up. The nation of Israel was in Abraham and thereby had access to Abraham's promises. Genesis 12, God spoke to Abram. Genesis 15, he spoke to Abram. By the way, I love that Genesis 15 passage because in Genesis 15, Abraham finally says, well, this is real good, but I don't have a child. You say you're going to build a nation out of me. I love, I love prayer in the Bible because it's not like it is. We try to make prayer so perfect and pious and prayer in the Bible is. <laughs> People tell me they're, they're mad at God and I just chuckle. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's going to get set right, but not by his repentance. <laughs> The nation of Israel was in Abraham. It was already in him. In a child yet unborn, but given by God. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, will be later the word. Gentiles got access to the benefits of the Abrahamic covenant when they believed. Gentiles in Christ are included in the benefits of the covenant. So if you understand this, then every time you see in Christ, you got it. Ooh, am I at the end? I'm gonna think I'm at the end. Y'all listened faster than I thought. <laughs> and I might've actually left out a verse or two, but y'all want me to go? I can go back and make up some more, but I won't. Okay, let's sum it up. Election was the means of God's covenant. God chose Abraham. Abraham, I'm going to get my salvation agenda for the whole world going with you. Anybody who thinks God's stressed out by a minority needs to pay attention to this. Um, I mean, after all, he was, 
He was in what we now know as Babylon. He was in Chaldea. He was worshiping the creation, not the creator. God told, gave him some instructions. And honestly, if you really read your Bible, honestly, he only halfway obeyed, which is way more half than most of us. <laughs> you know, he didn't quite leave father and mother. He took dad with him. Election was the means of God co God's covenant. It was not the members of the covenant. And this is why whenever someone says election applies to God choosing some and not others, they haven't understood biblical election. How does that happen? Here's how that happens, really. What happens is we do a reading of Romans 9. And we start our theology with Romans 9 rather than Genesis 12. If you start your understanding of election in Genesis 12, you're not going to end up in the confusion that people end up with in Romans 9. And if you keep election corporate instead of individualistic, the individual piece of it was God often chooses individuals as the means of the covenant. But the covenant is for all. Those individuals are chosen to be the means for all. This is why our salvation, our election goes from, from Abraham. It's like a funnel. From, from Abraham, it opens up to a nation and then funnels down inside of that nation to one faithful Israelite. One, only one, Christ. Because you see, the nations could not get in through the nation of Israel, but through the person of Jesus. The nations could come in and all are in. Election had as its aim to include the whole world in the covenant family. Where it starts, it ends. Abram, in you, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth. Does that mean every individual? No, because faith is the thing that distinguishes those who receive the blessing from those who don't. Uh, I, uh, I think on, on the one hand, there's the huge error that people make of, of narrowing election to individuals, the other big mistake is universalism, which is thriving everywhere nowadays. No one anywhere ever will be included in God's family without faith. Now, there are some who now believe that the, there's, there's actually, there's a big teaching out there nowadays that um, eventually everyone will believe some post-mortem but there's not, yeah, I'm just saying I'm not in that team. I, I don't see that in scripture, but it is one of the things. Election did not make the chosen people for exclusive membership. 
This is one of the fascinating things that I, I sometimes say, God, I don't, I don't understand how you do your business. Because the way God did his business, what happened was Israel thought of themselves in an exclusive way. And they got very arrogant and puffed up about it. As if to say their inclusion was the world's exclusion. Because they didn't understand and probably didn't fully understand until the apostolic gospel began to be preached. And probably Paul is the champion of this. That, that, that Jewish cho- chosenness was for world blessing. They just missed it. It was like they're laying, laying in plain sight, but they missed it. Election in Abraham's seed, all the nations would be blessed. Because listen, um, I don't think I included it. No, I didn't. I didn't include a text. Um, the one text that I might have included Yeah, you can put it back up there. In Abraham's seed or offspring, that word word seed and offspring is is a synonym. All the nations would be blessed. The seed of Abraham is not the nation of Israel. It's the person of Jesus. And that's the piece that Paul makes very plain. Also in Galatians chapter three, where he says it's not by offsprings or seeds, but by seed. The seed of Abraham is Jesus. He's the physical offspring of Abraham and the son of God come to set right what is wrong in the world. And this is where I'll become a Lutheran again. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's on choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. And he must win the battle. And this is the gospel. Jesus has come. And he has offered his salvation. Now listen, make him known. Make him known. Everywhere you go, make him known. Everywhere you go, make him known. Let his name be on your lips. Let his love be in your heart. Let his Holy Spirit fill you to overflowing to the praise of his glory so that the blessing of Abraham goes forth from you. Stand together in Jesus' name.